And now... Ladies and gentlemen... Please fasten your seatbelts. Welcome to PreneurCast. Yeah, business cards being swapped, beers being drunk. Can I say a nasty word? Can I say procrastination? With Pete Williams and Don Gosher. How well did that go down? We can talk about that entire thing in a very another rant and soapbox episode if you want to. Visit us online at PreneurMarketing.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of PreneurCast with me, Dom Goucher, and him, Pete Williams. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 110, which is very, very exciting. Indeed. We uh, we hit the 100 mark quite a few weeks ago now. Uh, we're also up to weekly episodes again, which is excellent. I'm really pleased that we're managing to uh, to maintain that, uh, both the, uh, the content with me and Pete and also the interviews and conversations with uh, with authors and other interesting people. It's been it's been great, and particularly over the last, I'd say, six or seven weeks. Looking at the stats, we've had a huge jump in uh, in listeners, which is uh, fantastic. So, to all um, you know, long term listeners and all new listeners, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for playing along and uh, enjoying and leaving comments and feedback and, and all that sort of fun stuff. It's been it's been great. Indeed, welcome one and all, new and old. Um. Before we jump into this week's topic, uh, which is all about our social media practices, um, how we actually deal with that, that, that great behemoth and scary thing that is social media, um, just a quick uh, kind of update on the week. Pete, what have we been up to this week? Oh, look, lots going on this week. I guess the latest thing that I've been uh, enjoying is uh, Ryan Holiday's new book, uh, Friend of the Show, Past Guest. Uh, referrer of many guests and just a downright awesome dude. Uh, he's got a new book out called uh, Growth Hacker Marketing, Growth Hacker Marketing, a, a primer on the future of PR, marketing, and advertising. So this is his uh, follow-up to Trust Me, I'm Lying, which is one of my favorite books of last year. Uh, and this is done through uh, Penguin. It's, a, it's what's being termed a Penguin Special. It's a short book, only about 56 pages, um, and Penguin is sort of doing these sort of smaller, sharper pointier book which is uh which is very exciting is that a uh, a physical book or a digital book or what is that so right now it's only available on uh kindle um i think it's also available um in a few other sort of digital platforms um and then if it sells well they'll then turn into a print book which is uh i think a very smart play for a lot of publishers these days to actually go that that route of uh doing a digital book and if it seems to sort of uh, catch on, then go and do the audio version and the physical book version. I think it's a, a much smarter way from a publishing perspective, which is uh, which is super cool. So uh, available as of right now on Amazon.com and where other good digital books are sold. Indeed, and uh, just because it's uh, in, as you say, Kindle format, doesn't mean you know you can't read it on whatever. You know, Kindle, the Kindle platform is actually available for pretty much any physical device there is. Well, that's the thing. Um, it was actually. Do you know this is a stat I found out recently, having lunch with uh, Ed, uh, another friend of the show. Um, that more Kindle books are read on the iPad than on Kindle devices themselves. Oh wow! Hmm. Now, uh, like this is like a this, the stat is backed up by a latte over lunch. So uh, I don't know the real source of this, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's a, a, that's an absolute fact, and I think that's amazing. So if you do have an iPad, iPad Mini, or something like that. Make sure you download the Kindle app because it's a a great way to read Kindle books. A lot of people don't even know that's possible, which I found very surprising. That's how I read all my Kindle books is just on the iPad. Yeah, me too. Um, I lo- I love the fact that whatever it is, whether it's the the whichever iPad or whatever I've got, um, or a phys- or an actual Kindle device, or even my desktop. It works out. It remembers where I am, and I can pick each one up and carry on. It's actually a great digital ebook reader. You don't have, just have to download the Kindle books to it. But well, read.amazon.com um, is a website, obviously as part of Amazon's network, that you can go to and actually read Kindle books that you own just through your web browser. Um, it's fantastic. Indeed, cool. And just to like not digress too far into the technology and miss the point of the book, um, Ryan, who was the author of. Uh, trust me i'm lying which we found a truly awesome book and quite a, a revelation about using modern technologies and, and modern platforms for market you know he's a bit of a bit of a, a a different thinker so i would imagine that the growth hacker even though it's only a short book is, is a pretty interesting read right yeah basically he breaks down some of the bigger brands of the last few years basically tech online brands uh, that have done some amazing stuff without traditional advertising budgets so you know evernote facebook 
Airbnb, obviously Gmail, um, those sort of tools that have grown to be you know multi-million, multi-billion dollar brands in some instances, how did they get to that position without actually doing traditional advertising and marketing. Now, you know, this is the type of stuff that we term and talk about here on the show quite a bit, you know, preneur style marketing. You know, it's kind of been tagged this growth hacker marketing and I personally really think that that name is not right. I don't, I don't like the name growth hacker marketing personally. I just think that is just smart business. Um, but obviously, <laughs> uh, it needs to have a bit of a hook to sort of be uh, a topic of, of conversation around the water cooler. So it's a really good, interesting book about how he break down, breaks down how these brands actually did it, what they actually did to actually structure their product. Um, you know, Dropbox, you know, is, is a good example that they obviously grew their business by getting other people to actually um, use Dropbox. Like, you know, my use of Dropbox is only enhanced when you use Dropbox. Uh, it's how we actually share the recordings of the, of the show and a whole bunch of stuff we work on together. So, you know, people argue that that was a bit of a growth hacker move by Dropbox to actually, um, you know, grow their brand, grow their business without traditional marketing by getting people to share Dropbox. But to me, that, that's just part of the business, part of the product itself. They start to do some form of, form of marketing and I, I think there's a bit of a gray area. So I might even try and get Ryan on the show um, in the future to sort of talk about this and have a, have a nice little heated debate around sort of uh, what is growth hacking and what is just smart business and what is product development versus marketing and advertising. I think there's a lot of gray area that sort of Silicon Valley are kind of just, you know, they love their buzzwords and I think this is kind of one of them to a certain extent. I think the principles that he talks about absolutely hold true and should be applied by everybody. But just to sort of label them as growth hacker marketing, I think is a little bit misleading. That's that's my own personal opinion. I think though any any of these terms get hijacked. Um, true. Whatever you do. But no, absolutely. I mean, getting Ryan on again uh, to talk about this would be super cool. So uh, with your newfound star status, I'm sure you can reach out. <laughs> Easy. Well, uh, you know, speaking of you know Facebook and Twitter and all these sort of social media platforms that have grown through growth hacking, I guess that is the the topic of conversation we're going to chat about today. That's right. Um, you know, the last couple of weeks we uh, we've finished off our list of questions uh, from our live Q and A session, which was what we did during our hundredth show. And folks, if you haven't listened to that hundredth show, um, it's we got a lot of great feedback on it because we got people to basically either send in their questions or part of a live webinar, ask questions that they like burning questions about their business or about our business. Um, and, but we had so many questions that we had to do another show to answer the rest of them. But there was one that we thought, and it was from Maria and Maria asked us about how we actually go about at doing our social media. Now, you know, we did talk about it a little bit on that kind of wrap up Q and a show. Um, but we thought it was definitely worthwhile um, just really focusing a show on it because it is one of those topics, you know, in whatever line of business you're in, you're, you're either probably being told by people that you should be doing social media or you're already doing it, but you may be like somebody who asked another Q&A question, maybe not sure if you're doing it right in inverted commas. Um, so maybe if we talk about how we do it and why we do it that way, uh, hopefully that's going to help you guys out. So uh, that's really what we're going to talk about this week. Okay, love it. Sounds good. So, so the first, I mean, the first thing, Pete, I'd like to say this because this is the thing. The first thing is, I'd like a clear definition for anybody that may have not suffered the onslaught in, in the last few years. I'd like to just clear, clarify the definition of what social media is and what some examples of the kind of tools and platforms and things that social media come come under the heading sounds right? right yeah absolutely cool i mean for me you know that i'll go with the technical definition for me the technical definition of social media or a social media platform is any platform where you where where you and other people can post information and also find other information from other people but the big thing, and the, the definition of the word social, it comes from the idea that you can indicate whether or not you like that information, whether you found that information valuable, and that you can share that information either with other people on that platform or across other platforms. So an example of that would be YouTube. Uh, YouTube is a classic 
is a classic to me social media platform. It's not what a lot of people wouldn't, you know, first, first port of call for social media, most people would say either Twitter or Facebook. But YouTube is a very clear example because what it is, is it's a platform for you to share content. You can upload videos. It's a platform for you to find content. You can search for and find other stuff. You can follow people on YouTube. You can subscribe to their channel. And if you watch a video, below the video, you have all kinds of buttons to do all kinds of things. Like you can tick a, tick a thumbs up, say you like it. You can leave a comment. You can also share it or embed it or do all manner of things. So it, that's that to me really is is the the epitome the, the the real definition of social media. What do you think about that, Pete? Yeah, I completely agree. I think you know social media again <laughs> to me it's a bit of a buzzword like growth mar- growth hacker in that um, you know it's there is a lot of grayness around it. A lot of people sort of think you know it, it's refined to Instagram, um, Pinterest, Facebook, and Twitter. They're probably the four big ones people think of when people start talking about social media. Um, but you know, it got, does grow a lot broader than that. And you can, you know, talk, you could probably almost push a blog and a forum almost under social media in the true sense of the definition. You, in terms of, you can leave comments, you can interact, you can do a whole bunch of stuff on on forums and things like that. But we won't probably take our conversation in that direction today. But that's sort of, you know, to the true extent of the term, that is what it really should be. Yeah, and as you say, you know, it's like you can really get picky about it. But the point is that we do what we do on the platforms that we use. So, And that's what we're going to talk about. But I just thought it was worthwhile just giving some anybody an idea of you know, where the term social media comes from and why they call it social media before we dive into it. Mm. And I, I think this is something really important too. This, this is my perspective around a lot of things, and I'm sure you know, long-term listeners have probably uh, hopefully had this you know, ground into them by now, is that just because social media is a buzzword and everyone still talks about social media doesn't mean you have to use it. You know, look, in, in our B2B businesses, in the telco, in the e-com stuff that we do in the B2B space, we don't do social media. We do YouTube because it allows us as a platform to host the videos that we have on our product pages. So we use YouTube not as a social media platform. We use it as a video hosting platform. And this is the thing too is that, you know, just because YouTube can be a social media tool doesn't mean you have to use it that way. So we use it to host our videos, but we don't have an active Twitter account. We don't have an active Facebook account. We don't do Pinterest for our B2B businesses because our target market is not there. You know, no one, you know, wanting a phone system is really going to be looking on Twitter. You know, it's not that sort of platform um, for that conversation, for that target market, that audience. Yes, there is a lot of arguments around using social media in your business to help with SEO. And that's probably a slightly different conversation about, you know, not gaming these platforms, but using these platforms in a way to help your search engine ranking. So using it as a tool to drive something else. But if you're using social media for the sake of social media, make sure your audience is there and get an idea of, of why they're there to actually ensure that you actually communicate to them in the right way. That's probably a really big thing. Yeah, I mean, that, that speaks to something that you said before, which is, you know, go where the hungry crowd is. It's, there's no point just doing it for the sake of doing it, right? Yeah, and I think this is a, a big problem is a lot of people feel that like they have to have a Twitter account um, and they have to have a Facebook page. So they go there and create these things and then they lose sight of the objective of why they're using these tools. And that's a, a big issue, I think, for a lot of people. I think it's a source. I think it's a real source of the actual confusion out there because if you are doing it because someone said you should do it, then you don't actually have your own strategy, right? Hmm. I think it comes back to, you know, episode we had early on in our series. I think it was probably one of the first 10 or 15 episodes, I think, from memory, was this whole thing around the marketing symphony and applying that to tools you use. Uh, and I think that sort of is worth touching on really quickly um, here to sort of just give people the context of the different ways they can use these tools. Because I think the marketing symphony is something that's very, very important for people to actually understand and really use as a filter for using things like social media. Okay. I'm, I, I, think, I think it's definitely worth it. I do think, you know, I, as I said, I think that there is this issue that people are doing things for the sake of doing them and therefore they don't have a strategy. And, and yes, yeah, certainly those, you know, something that we talk about all the way through, you know, in a lot of our shows are these frameworks that you can use to evaluate whatever it is you're doing, whether you're making a product or choosing to 
you know, moving to a new platform or building a business or whatever it is. So I think that's a great thing to do. So, so really quickly, the the, the, um, the marketing symphony is market research, traffic, conversion, product. They're the four key things that you need to go through uh, to start a business, to develop a business, that everything kind of falls into one of those four categories as you're running and, and marketing uh, a business. And, you know, we won't go crazy in depth in this. Obviously, there's a whole episode uh, on that earlier and you'll be able to check the show notes at preneurmarketing.com once we publish this episode to actually, you know, find that episode and, and listen to that, that past one. But, you know, if you look at market research, social media can be used very, very well as a market research tool. You can go to Twitter. You can search for keywords. You can put in hashtags and find out what the market, what the audience, what the conversation is around your particular brand, your particular area of interest, the problems you solve. And you can do a lot of market research on these platforms. You can go to YouTube and find out what people are talking about. It's a great tool for doing market research. They're also great tools for getting traffic back to your main website, back to your offer, whatever it might be, a sales page, a request a quote page, a, a funnel, whatever it might be. You can you know, advertise, you can do posts on things like Facebook, you can do um, graphics on Pinterest, you can you know, tweet obviously quite regularly to drive traffic back to a particular um, place on the web. It's a great tool. Uh, conversion, you know, these tools are not really conversion tools. They're, they're conversation tools. So you can't really necessarily easily convert someone like you can with a sales letter. So social media isn't really a conversion tool. So to try and use it as that will not work. And, you know, historically, I think even if you go back to the, the marketing symphony episode, I sort of spoke about it not being a product tool. You can't really use Facebook as a product. Yes, you can do private groups. That could be one way you can facilitate a mastermind group, which you charge for if you're in that information sort of space. You could do a private closed Facebook group, and that could be your product um, as a way to sort of use the platform to deliver a product. Um, Pinterest probably not really a product tool. You can't really do anything on Pinterest. Um, but, you know, you could also use customer support, like, you know, HostGator and a lot of platforms use Twitter as a um, customer support tool. And it's a great way to sort of tie in the social media with um, your product in that it's a great, easy way to communicate with your prospects uh, and your clients and answer questions that way. So that's kind of another way you can use it. So there's sort of some very high-level, broad ways to use social media in line with that marketing symphony, which I think is a really important framework a lot of people really understand and look at. Absolutely. But but at the end of the day, you know, I think the thing that you said up front is the most important one, which is that you need to look at it from the point of view of, you know, where is the value to you? Is it a platform that your customers or potential customers use or are using? Because if it's not, it's just diluting your focus. That's the thing, you know, and look, you know, I, I'll put my hand up and say, you know, I don't use Facebook that well. Like we've done some Facebook ads which work really, really well. But that's, you know, this is this is I think where people get confused is like advertising on Facebook is not social media to me. It's advertising to an audience. So putting ads on the right hand side of Facebook or even putting ads inside someone's news stream, that is advertising 101. It's not social media. Having a Facebook page which you get people to interact with and do posts on, that's social media marketing. And that's something that if you go to our Facebook page, you'll know that we don't do that well because it's a distraction. You know, we have that plot of land there with our, our name and our brand just to sort of, you know, ensure that no one else does anything with that. But we aren't proactively with it because it's, just, it's not a focus. It's not a great measurable tool in my opinion. Yeah. And and, and, and another example that you, you said earlier was, you know, for, for example, YouTube. YouTube has this facility, but, you know, I certainly, you know, I use YouTube and use YouTube as, first of all, first and foremost, a video, an online video hosting platform. And it's absolutely great for that. The fact that the, it has all these extra social media capabilities isn't particularly relevant to our strategies right now. It's going to be relevant um, with my new magazine that I'm pushing forward uh, because that magazine's all about online video, so I'd better be doing what I'm saying I, other people should do and be obvious about it with that, you know, with that one business yeah. arm. But in general, it's it's predominantly for us a hosting platform, and secondarily, it just happens to be pretty good for giving you search engine results. So it it generates traffic in a lot of cases or 
potentially it could generate traffic in a lot of cases through the search engines. But we're not really, and we'll come back to this when we talk about how we use these things, but we're not really using that platform again in its full social media context. We have, you know, we, we, we advertise on it because it's an excellent advertising platform. Uh, we, we do have videos on it that we use for hosting and we, we do take the benefit from a search engine. But do we put a lot of effort into the conversational side and the sharing and liking and stuff like that? No. You know, it, and again, that's to do with the audience for the businesses that we're looking at um, and, and the, uh, the, the dilution of that effort. Mm, exactly. So should we sort of move away from strategy and actually give people kind of some tactical sort of stuff in terms of if you are work, if you are working through this and have found the strategy um, for your particular business, some implementation tips and some actual tactics about, you know, if you're going to do a Twitter account, you know, a question we had recently was should I do it in my own name or should I do it in my business name? How do I sort of mm-hmm. tactically yep. implement this sort of stuff? Should we go, go, go down that angle for a little bit, do you think? Yeah, and, and you know, just to be clear, folks, you may or may not already have realized this, but anybody that goes out there looking for me, uh, there's not an awful lot to find because uh, I am I'm a behind-the-scenes guy. Not me and social media don't get on um, from that effort point of view. I don't have anything that would that I need to get that return from by putting all that effort into social media. So my use of social media is actually the genuine kind of one-on-one, more social with friends and family and inside of a private Facebook kind of things, that kind of thing. Uh, whereas Pete, you have a lot of experience using this for business. Now I've consult on using it for business. So I'm going to come in from that angle, uh, you know, and I'll hopefully add a little bit of value where I can. But I think a lot of the, we do this stuff, Pete, is going to come from you uh, because you've got that real world experience. The one thing I will say is, you know, watch out folks because, with this new magazine, with this new project that I'm working on, that's all going to change. I, I now have a platform and a business that I need to use. My, my target market is on all of these places, and I'm going to be implementing literally what we're talking about today. That's all going to come out, and you're going to see it happen. So it's probably well worth following along with that once that, once that gets off the ground, and you can see it happen live. Awesome. So, so let's go through some stuff. Let's actually dive, dive into some stuff. Now, well, let me answer the question I just raised in terms of, you know, should you be doing this as your own brand or should you be doing it uh, as a business? You know, should I, should I be tweeting as myself or as a business? And I think it comes down to who do you want to be the presence? You know, if you're trying to be a business bigger than you, it comes back to the same stuff I spoke about in uh, my first book, How to Turn Your Million Dollar Idea into a Reality, in that, you know, naming a business you know, Pete Williams and son, or whatever it might be, my name, it's very dangerous if you're trying to actually grow the business beyond you. If, you're, if all you want to do is have and be self-employed and have that sort of type mentality, that's fine. Name the business after you, name the Twitter account after you, name the social media stuff after you because it's about you and your brand. And that's great for the ego, but not necessarily great for the bank balance and the lifestyle you're trying to achieve. Uh, and what I mean by that is that, you know, to grow a business beyond you, you have to get out of the business. And if you're stuck being the face of the business, it's very, very hard to get out of that business. So if you are trying to build something to be bigger than you, definitely use the social media platforms as the business. Uh, you know, for example, a good friend of ours, Jen Sheehan, she has a couple of face, uh, Facebook and Twitter accounts. She has FB Ad Labs, which is her Facebook advertising business. So she does that as a service, a fantastic service. So she has the Twitter account around that business. So when she talks about business-related stuff, she does it through that account. So that way, as the business grows, she can have other staff and other team members managing that social media platform for her business. She also has her personal account because she wants to be social and personal on that platform as well. And that is completely irrelevant to her business stuff. She might sort of talk about entrepreneurial things. That's who she is as a person. But as her business and as her brand, two very distinct Twitter accounts. And I think that's a much smarter way to go about it. Well, Jen was actually the, the first person you know, that I spoke to that, kept, that really clarified that, that division of business brand versus personal brand. And, and the example she gave was in exactly the, in the use of her Facebook profiles. Um, you know, this, the, she, she, as always, everyone that advises, you know, your Facebook 
profile, your account, the thing you actually log into and log in as, that's that should be, she says, you know, that should be your you and your family and your close friends. In fact, I believe that she said, the, the, the thing she said to me was, um, if you wouldn't invite them around to your house, don't have them as a friend on Facebook. Mm. Um, and then she has this Facebook page, which is her business persona, the Jen Xi'an business person, the, you know, the, the public face of Jen Xi'an. And, and that's, that's how she communicates as that personal person, you know, and she's quite open about things on that, on that page. Um, about you know what she's doing in her life and things like that, where she's traveling and things like that. But then all these other brands that she has, you know, you, you said FB Ads Lab, which is one of her brands for her consulting and services arm for the help that she gives people with the Facebook advertising and things like that. That has its own page, and that's completely separate to Jen. You know, and that comes back to your point of she's built this business that it's associated with her, but it's it's not her. So if she so chose, you know, like in the book, Build to Sell, she wanted to put it in a box and sell that as a going concern, then there's no difficulty in separating it from her and her persona, right? Exactly. But even no, don't want to sell it. It's even just want to hire some staff to run it for you. You know, that's important. Yeah. Like a lot of really great brands, you'll see that when you go to their Twitter page, they actually have four or five names uh, in a background graphic with a little sort of... Um, a uh, little asterisk EV, for example, for a person's initials. So when they tweet on behalf of the business, they put star EV in the tweet. So you kind of know that there's a person behind that still, but it's actually as the brand, which I think is really important, having that differentiation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the you know, I, and we, we when we talked about this recently, there's lots of people out there on the different platforms. If it's important and if you feel that your audience needs to know that there's a human there, as an individual, then that's a great way to do it. You know, to, to just indicate with some initials or something, that's the person that's posted into the brand account. Uh, but a lot of brands don't. A lot of brands just just have posts coming out um, on these different platforms in their brand account. With it, like, you know, central Twitter account. Like you said HostGator has one. Yep. Um, my, my personal yeah. preference is from an advice perspective, though, is to actually personalize it inside that. So have the, you know, HostGator should have the HostGator um, account. But I really do personally believe they should actually at least put a name or an initial against every tweet just because I think that does personalize that business a lot more. So that, that's the implementation advice I would give is do it as a brand but have p- real-world people um, identifying themselves as the social media poster, for want of a better term. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that uh, one of the local local businesses here that I help out is a local dive school. Um, the guys over at, so I'll just give them a shout out because I, I like, they're my friends, uh, a guy called Rivermar. Um, and what Rivermar do is that they have a Rivermar web page, not a web page, sorry, a Facebook page, which is a central account for Rivermar. It's all the news. But each of their dive instructors is such a character, such an individual. They're actually really well known. They're like, they're personalities in their own industry, as it were. You know, all the clients that come to the dive school. You know, they get on with them so well that people want to follow along with them individually. So their Facebook, they have Facebook pages that are like Andy at Rivermar. Um, so, so they're connected to the business. They've, they've taken that personal personalization and a personal association with the business to that level. It's a, it's a Facebook page that indicates that they are a person at the company, which is another way to do it. Mm. Very, very cool. Well, the next thing I think that I know a lot of people um, ask about and we talk about a bit, we sort of spoke about it inside the Profit Hacks um, program that we sort of were doing uh, late last year, is the whole automation and systemization of your social media in terms of when you tweet it automatically post to your Facebook account and when you add a photo, it then goes to Instagram and have all this sort of network of automation. Uh, and I want to get your take on that, Dom, because I think my shift or my take has shifted uh, a little bit recently and I'll explain why in a moment. What's your thoughts on the on the automation and, and systemization of using places like um, IFTT.com or places like that to sort of have all that stuff happening uh, in an automated sort of fashion? And do you mean from an incoming or outgoing point of view? Well, from an outgoing perspective in terms of, you know, like I, every time I um, – actually, let me, let me give you the example. What we had set yeah. up recently was every time I would 
do a new blog post over at preneurmarketing.com, it would automatically go and send a tweet uh, and it would automatically go and post on Facebook. Um, that was sort of two very low-level automation type things we had in place so that way I didn't have to go to social media and actually do the post. It would happen automatically. And that was working exceptionally well. And I think it still can work exceptionally well if if you'd be smart about it. But what we did recently is obviously um, do a whole bunch of changes to preneurmarketing.com, new theme, new skin, new setup, a whole new website basically, merged the old uh, website where the podcast used to live into preneurmarketing.com. So we've got one um, core place for all that sort of stuff. But what happened is obviously as part of that merging of the sites, we had to go and backdate a whole bunch of old or 110 or so episodes of uh, Preneurcast onto preneurmarketing.com. So even though we were backdating that post for, you know, 6, 12 months ago, that had then automatically published out to my Twitter feed. So I basically oh. spammed, I um, mean, in, in a weird sort of way, <laughs> our Twitter followers and our Facebook pages because of that automation. And that was a bit, well, hang on, here's sort of, you know, the downside of systemization a little bit, which was interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, that was a, that was something that I think if you'd have thought it through, um, you possibly could have avoided that just by switching that that linking off. But yeah, I mean the thing the thing is, again, it's 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 where are your where are your audience and what is the you know what is the importance of the platform to you? Mm. Yeah, you know if your primary audience is focused on Facebook, then the last thing you want to do is automate any kind of posting exactly or even potentially outsource any kind of posting to that platform yeah um because people people will smell a rat um you know there was actually i was reading i was reading some twitter stuff the other day and somebody actually commented on it on twitter they said if if you're having somebody post for you on your twitter account please be honest about it so that I know I'm not talking to you. Yeah. There's actually a, like a straight out comment on Twitter. It was a relatively well-known person commenting to a just commenting in general. I think it's a fair point. You know, people want to believe that it's your, you and your content. As, you know, if that's, so if that's the primary platform, whatever it is, then you want to be pro- doing it directly. If you are, if you want to have a presence on these platforms for whatever reason, um, then that's a different matter, you know, and, and you can either, uh, you can, you can automate it to a point, you know, and there's, there, it, the strategy really, it's very difficult to say any one given strategy to automate, to not automate. So it's, it's better to say, you know, give some evaluation terms in my mind. Mm-hmm. And that evaluation is, you know, where are your audience? If they're, are they focused in one place? In which case that becomes the place that you, you know, you put stuff. And also, what's the benefit to you in being on these other platforms? You know, for example, you know, if you're looking for search engine ranking, search engine traffic, then the this 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 week and possibly today's particular advice might be, you know, to to focus your your high value content on the on your blog. And to direct people to your blog and to get people to pay attention and spend time on your, your blog or your website or whatever if you're generating enough content. Um, and I, to be honest with you, I don't think that advice is ever going to change. Um, so so what you don't want to necessarily be doing is just auto-posting little messages to your blog saying, I just posted something on Twitter or I just I just liked a, liked a video on YouTube. Mm. You know, That kind of stuff can get really annoying on other platforms. I think um, I was, the example well, I would give in terms of someone who sort of does that relatively well in terms of has a presence on a social media platform but doesn't actually use the social media platform is Seth Godin and Twitter. Now, obviously, Seth's got his blog where he writes quite regularly and he has a Twitter account, or at least he used to, and I'm sure it's still active, called This Is Seth's Blog. That was That's a Twitter account. And all it does mm-hmm. is update when Seth writes a new blog post. So he's not trying to, you know, Say to anyone, this is me. I'm going to interact with you on social media or anything like that is literally the, it's a social media platform account that people can follow if that's where they choose to get the updates when Seth posts something. So it's purely just a, a feed of information saying, yep, Seth's done a new blog post. So if you are a Twitter person, that's where you want to be as a, or an audience member. You can subscribe to that Twitter feed and be updated when 
Seth writes a new blog post. So you go back to Seth's blog to consume that content. And I think that is a very smart way of having a presence on these platforms so your audience can follow you, um, quote-unquote, on that platform that they choose, but the context and the frame has been set correctly. You're not trying to bamboozle anybody and you know say to them that I'll be you know replying to your at messages and DMing people and stuff like that. This is purely a distribution platform to allow those who want to follow along on Twitter do so. And that's sort of, you know, if you want to do that on Facebook, that's where I think the automation stuff can work really, really well is if you set the context that, hey, guys, this is just a distribution of information feed. It's not a conversation tool. Um, and I think that can cause issues if you don't set that context uh, correctly and set those expectations for your audience. But I think that is a smart way of doing it is, you know, doing that sort of stuff um, as a tool, as a way to sort of have a presence somewhere without being overly active in that present in that place. Yeah, well, there's no surprise that Seth Godin, who is an incredibly sharp and smart guy, is doing something sharp and smart. Mm. Um, but that's a, that is an excellent, excellent example, and I think that wraps up a lot of the points that we're trying to make, uh, which you know you're pretty good at doing, um, because it and, you know there's another there's another bunch of people that do that. In fact, I know a lot of people, you know, our, our friend Dan Rain, who runs the Media Edge, uh, which is a great kind of uh, site about all things um, internet marketing y, search engineering y, and stuff like that. You know, he, he's a great student of this stuff as well and, and has got some very clever ways of doing things. But they, their website, even though it's a membership site, so it's a closed site, um, so you kind of have to log on to find out if they've updated it. Um, so they solved that problem by having a Twitter account called Edge News. And they do exactly what you said about Seth. It's like, this account is just to tell you when we post something in our membership area. Mm. Um, and it's a fabulous use of that technology. It's quite, you know, they make it clear. They frame it properly, as you said. They frame it properly. This is a, you know, it's an automated thing. Don't chat to us on this. It's a notification platform. And that is a good understanding of, again, understanding your audience. You know, their audience is on Twitter. Their audience is, has the technology or the, the, the techniques to keep an eye on Twitter. And therefore, it's a very easy way to notify their audience in a non-interruptive way that they've got some content for them to go and look at. Uh, and it, it keeps people going back to the site. Now, you could just as easily do that with an open website that you've you know, put a new blog post on if you're regularly updating. Um, because that idea of getting people to come and pay attention to something you've just posted is quite a challenge. You know, it's a form of traffic generation. It might be just reminding, you know, reminding the existing audience, but it's a form of traffic generation that's quite important. So, um, but it's a good way, of, you know, it's an understanding a platform. Uh, and, and how you can use it, and how the, how your audience uses it. So that's cool. But that that bridges me um, across to something that we talk about a lot, certainly inside of you know Preneur Platinum when we do our spotlights, particularly the website reviews, um, because there's the other side of the coin of traffic from social media, which is where people are misusing in my humble opinion, social media badges on their website. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you'll see this, you'll see because a lot of people, you know, use WordPress, which we've talked about a few times, uh, which is an excellent way to get your website up and running. And they use a theme, which uh, you like my little analogy of a theme being like the Barbie doll clothes that you can just swap the look of a website out. Um, but a lot of these themes that you'll see, people have put social media buttons on them. And they're in the top right-hand corner, which is prime real estate. And because they're there, you fill out your details. And, and so you've got a little icon that says, you know, Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and all these things. Um, and so this is basically your website that is your potentially your prime real estate. You want people to come to it and read your articles. And there's a big glaring thing in the top right-hand corner saying, please leave my site. Please go away from my site. Please go somewhere else. I'll uh, um, go to click on this link and go to Facebook. Yeah, click on this link and go to Facebook where there's a, a, a less concentrated version of what I'm doing and you won't read my website anymore kind of thing. To me, you know, we've said this before, it's a really backwards way 
of of getting a benefit from social media. Unless your primary audience and, and your primary communication channel is one of these other platforms, you really don't want to be sending people to them and away from what should be, you know, away from where all your content is. Um, there's nothing wrong with having little buttons for people, you know, people who are do- digging around and, and do that, that, that word that I hate, which is that the designers use, which is discovery. <laughs> you know, if people are discovering things and they discover the buttons down the bottom of your website and they discover you've got a Facebook page and they really want to follow you on Facebook, good, good for them. But unless those platforms are your primary platform, you really don't want to have them front and center or top right, big bright colors, big arrows pointing at them saying, follow us on, you know, because it's not, it's not really what it's about. What those platforms are about, as the example of Seth's, you know, this is Seth's blog or Edge News and all these other Twitter accounts. It's about capturing people where they're, you know, where they're visiting, where they're paying attention and drawing their attention to your main platform. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is something that actually happened just recently with the the new design and development of PreneurMarketing.com is that the the first rollout of the the site actually had the top, the very top first part of the website was the Preneur Marketing logo, then links to the RSS, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Google+, and LinkedIn. They were the very top of the website. And, you know, I very quickly made that change because – People were coming to the site, obviously doing, you know, listening to the show to get the show notes or reading a good blog post, whatever it might be. They come to the site, and the very first thing they'd see at the top of the page is to go off and play on Facebook and YouTube and get distracted. And that's not the outcome. We want people to actually consume the content, get some great value, and then go, you know what? I want to connect with with Pete and the team. So we've moved that bar. It's still on the site, but it's actually below the comments and below the post. So, mm-hmm. you know, once they've actually consumed and engaged with us, then they have the choice to see, hey, we're on some social media platforms and you can follow us. Because if they do go to Twitter and get distracted before they actually click, you know, follow, at least they've kind of had some interaction with us and will come back again um, because of good content, because of, uh, you know, good quality, whatever it might be. So it's that second tier um, type scenario, you know, putting those sort of things um, on a thank you page. Is a great way to say, "Hey, you've, you know, you've already taken the, the action we want. Now let's, you know, stick together as well. Let's go out for coffee again in the morning." Type scenario. Great. That's a really good example, actually, of where it is a good idea to use those buttons. And to, to flip the example, my example on its head, you know, what I'm, what I've seen recently, and I, I won't name and shame them, but it's somebody that we have actually had on the show. And I went to their website today because I, I'm always interested in what they have to say. And there was something that was actually missing. I, I was reading their website and, and I'm very often will share, um, what they write. They're one of the people that I read regularly and I, and I like to share what they write because what they write makes sense on their, and on their blog, their valuable content. Um, and try as I might and dig around as I might, I couldn't find a button. That, uh, that that quickly and easily let me share a link to their blog post on say twitter um and and that is actually to me the what what should be the right use of these platforms is to allow so say somebody comes to your blog if they're a twitter user and they have a big twitter following you want them to be able to easily and quickly link to your blog post out to their Twitter account or their Facebook page or whatever it might be and promote your post and get you more traffic. That's, that's really what, whenever anybody says, you know, get into social media, that's the, the holy grail, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, so to find some, you know, so, so, and, and actually, you know, if, if these people are using WordPress, again, I know I talk a lot about WordPress, but it's just because it's easy to use. There are, there are hundreds and hundreds of free plugins and a plugin is a, is a thing that you can download and install or get something to install on your website to add functionality. It's another one of the great things about WordPress. Um, and you know, you can, you can, so you can download a plugin and you literally install it which is easier than it sounds, and it sounds pretty easy. And instantly, every post on your blog can have a set of very nice, pretty buttons that say, share me on, and pick your website, you know, share me on Facebook, share me on Twitter, share me here, there, and everywhere. Um, you know, 
And that, to me, is the correct use of social media bonds. Mm. So, you know, I mean, so, so, you know, we're not, we're not down on social media buttons. We don't think that they're stupid and silly, but, but ones that take people away from your site just to another place that you possibly even have automatically reposted content, which would really be a bad experience for them. You know, if you are doing that in the wrong way, you know, that's not a good idea, but having them on your content, if you, if you do write content, if you're, you know, if you're a blogger and you, you write blog posts for your industry, your marketplace, or your, you know, whatever, you, your news or whatever, um, then having them so that people can easily share the content is a good use. Love it. And this is something, this is something we're still working on with preneurmarketing.com. If people go there right now, uh, depending on when they listen to the show, we don't have the full social, um, share stuff on the site right next it's in development so i'm going to put my hand up and say we don't have that fully right now and it's, it's being worked on with a really cool plugin we're developing which is going to be pretty sweet but we do have at least some breakouts so if you'll see you know takeaways from certain um, podcast episodes quotables um bits and pieces and we've got you know things where we actually break that out and have a click to tweet button so we can really easily tweet a snippet of a, a show or a particular blog post and uh, that's worked really really well for us already yeah, that's actually a pretty cool feature. I'm, I'm quite. I, I when I saw that when the design and, and then the implementation, of that, that's pretty cool. And I've not I've not seen that in many places before. Um, but yeah, PrenoMarketing.com is a work in progress. Um, you know, you got to we've got to be clear about that. So depending on when you're listening to this, you might go and go. Hang on a minute. They're <laughs> um, saying one thing an and not doing the other, and that's you know that's it's part of the development process. But but what's the important thing here is that you know. What we love to do on the show, what's important to us to do on the show is to do what we say we do before we tell you to do it. And so, you know, if we are working our way through something, you might see that we've taken something off the site or added something on the site that we haven't talked about yet. And that's because we're trying something out. Um, you know, we're trying it out so that when we've, when we've got that data back, because, you know, Pete loves his data, when we've got that data back, we can tell you what we're doing. You know, we, we, moved to printermarketing.com away from printermedia.tv um, because we'd made a decision and, and we told you, you know, this is why we made the decision. When we initially started it, you know, we that, that site's been running for, for as long as the podcast has been running, like 18 months. Uh, but the data told us, you know, it's not giving us the return that we, that we want and we need to do something about it. Uh, and at, at that point, we let you guys know. Uh, and, the, and the same with all this stuff. So have we got Pete have we got any more I mean we you know we're we're close to time on this one and I think we've we've covered quite a few of the big big issues uh, have we got any more kind of quick tips we can give people for getting the most from social media no, I think we, we kind do, of things that we find useful Look, I think at the end of the day, I think it comes down to just engaging and, and, and being yourself. But I, I would love people to, you know, continue this conversation with us on these social media platforms. So, you know, if you've got questions, and this is a perfect example and a perfect use of, of these sort of platforms is, you know, head over to Twitter. I'm at Preneur, uh, Dom's at D Goucher. Uh, and let us know what other questions you have, and we'll continue this um, conversation in another episode of the podcast. So, you know, head over to the blog, printermarketing.com, um, go to the show notes, put some extra questions in, other, you know, issues or controversial things you've read or things you're confused about, or, you know, send us at messages on Twitter, and we'll collate all those and we'll, you know, answer some of these in a future episode of the show. Absolutely. I mean, that, that for us, is why really we're on these platforms is is that it's interactive for us you know um and, and so absolutely get reach out to us on twitter um and 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 you know the the new blog over at preneurmarketing.com one thing i will say about that um you know as we as we are wrapping up um <laughs> one of the things that hadn't made it across in the move is one of the things that we were getting actually the best feedback on, which was our little speak pipe, the audio message um, capability. We've really been enjoying including uh, listeners' comments and feedback actually into the show. Uh, and we really want to keep doing that, folks. So at the moment, speak pipe is not integrated into printermarketing.com. But if you do go there, you can still leave comments under the blog post. We'll, you know, we'd love definitely to, to hear your feedback on this episode and all the other ones. And if there's something we missed or something, as Pete says, that's confusing you or that you want us to focus on a bit more, 
and we'll happily do some more some more content on this. Um, but real soon now we'll have that speak pipe pipe up, and when we do, do drop us an audio note. Do you know by all means ask your question or just let us know what you think of the show, because um, we'd love to feature you actually li- actually live on the show. Put that uh, audio track on there. Absolutely. So let's let's put a bow on it. Let's wrap this one up. Um, you know, I think we have a great drinking game in place for today's episode. If you want to go back and listen again and have a shot every time we mention preneurmarketing.com, it could be a, uh, a very cool <laughs> drinking game for this episode because we have mentioned it a lot. But one final thing I will mention about that is something we um, published uh, last week, which of uh, a lot of email response from and stuff like that, which has been great. Uh, a little ebook, completely free, no opt in, just go and download it uh, called Never Break More Than One Law at the Same Time. And it's just a whole bunch of collections of the best pieces of advice that anyone has ever given. The people of Reddit. It's uh, a really cool um, 69 page ebook, completely downloadable. It's a PDF. Just click and download it. You can read it on the site as well. And it's got a whole bunch of uh, really profound little pieces of advice that I um, I really found interesting and had the team put together into this uh, visually engaging ebook. So, uh, you know, head over there and check it out. And folks, it is actually, it's, there's some quite, there's some seriously good advice and some quite funny little advice snippets and quotes in there. Um, totally free. So uh, definitely pop over to preneurmarketing.com and uh, and grab that. Also, while you're there, don't forget, there is the regular competition that we run at preneurmarketing.com forward slash win, uh, which is anything that we've got from recent authors uh, and other people that have been guests on the show. So uh, whenever you're listening to this, uh, always pop across to preneurmarketing.com forward slash win to check out what you can win with a very simple competition to enter. Um, and as always, thanks everyone for listening. Hopefully, you know, as usual, we, we hope to have added value and giving you some great tips and hints and stuff um, in this show. Do drop us a comment over on, I'll say it one more time, preneurmarketing.com. Uh, <laughs> and uh, also, please, uh, you know, if you if you uh, are subscribed to us on iTunes, jump across to iTunes and, uh, and drop us a comment on there as well. So... Uh, Pete, I'll leave it to you to, as you say, put a bow on it. And uh, folks, we'll see you all next week. Sounds great, everyone. Thanks again for listening and talk to you next week with an interview with another great guest. So uh, stick around for that one. It's going to be very exciting. You've been enjoying another fine episode of PrinterCast with Pete Williams and Dom Gocher. Make sure to hang out with the boys online at www.printermarketing.com or drop them a line via printercast at printergroup.com.